Hello there, welcome back to Temporary Fandoms. You have been listening to Zoe Von Hess talk you through, uh, well, one album by Richard Dawson and one album by Hen Ogleth. Uh, I'm not even looking at the screen to see whether I pronounced that right. Um, and we are back still with, well, Nick and myself are Nick. Another Nick. Hello. And of course, Zoe Von Hess. Hello. Hello. So we're moving on um, to what would be, I'd say we've got two of his solo albums, which might be considered to be his greatest two, his most important two solo albums. In, in this episode, and the first one would be Peasant, which was released in 20 something something? 17. 17. Thank I'm you very so much. glad um, you have said that because I would have to scroll through my notes to find out. Yeah, carry on. Um, I know Nick looked at his phone to find out because I just heard a phone inter- in, in, interfering with some paper. Oh, ooh, it was someone. Ah. You got paper now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I always print out my notes. So professional. <laughs> I have a printer. Otherwise, I would. I used to write stuff down, and now I just have it on a little window. On a Me too. Thing. I've got a window thing, but I prefer a pen, actually, anyway. Yeah. So, peasant. When, when they didn't have pens. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, <laughs> that's a terrible segue. Um, <laughs> there have been many albums that we've already looked at in, this ep- in these episodes, but also by other bands that have this sort of uh, telling stories of people's lives that are not contemporary, that are not current. Um, whether or not they are based more fantastical, like the Decemberists' Hazard of Love, which is one of the best albums I've ever heard, but also the Decemberists' The Tame, which was a 14-minute uh, retelling of an Irish uh, traditional story. Um, and what we've got now is, is something rather special, although I found it quite weird the first time I listened to it, because very recently I just finished playing Kingdom Deliverance, Kingdom Come Deliverance, which is a game on the Xbox, which is basically like for those who who, who know, it's like Skyrim, where you it's like a a role playing game where you free roam, except it's based in a sort of medieval uh, Germany. And once you've got past the initial bit and escaping from a castle and learning how to pick up your sword and drop your sword and get screwed because you can't pick up your sword, you can go and do what you want. You can go and live in a village and be a blacksmith. You can go and be a bandit in the countryside. You can go and join the army, all of this stuff. And so listening to this album, which is a bunch of vignettes about people's lives back in the day, um, I was like, oh, this is like this is like a soundtrack of my entire three weeks playing playing this video game. Um, Zoe, can you tell us about this album a little bit, please? I mean, how did it come about? What what did Richard say about this when he was making it? Well, it's a concept album, so I think he's quite open about that. Is that he wanted to write something? I think it's set in like four hundred to six hundred, where he's from, which is really nice. So he sort of said, "Hey, this part of the world where I'm from, I'm gonna." imagine the lives of everyday people in this time period and you know i i mean my first instincts are a bit oh god it's a bit medieval fair or or you know um medieval battle reenactment but it's so much more i want to just say like that is just surface what that that is the surface and if you can get past that you will get a lot out of this so that was his concept and each each song has a type, the title is the person based, you know, the, the life of this person in that time and their story. And that's, you know, quite simple, really. There's not much more to that. However, 
he's an incredible writer. So he brings these stories to life so well. And you only get like a snippet of it. So what I think what's so clever about it is that you don't get enough to kind of finish the story always. So you want to know what happens next. But it's just a fucking song. It's not a book. It's not a novel. It's not even a short story. It's a song. So you end up like listening to these songs, getting what well, I do anyway. I don't know about anyone else. Getting very involved, kind of falling in love with the characters or, or wanting to know more. And then the song's over. So I think that's one of the greatest things about this album. Plus, it sounds it sounds incredible. It sounds really different. I mean, I, I, we could talk about maybe the, the percussion or the drums, which I think are really interesting. because there's no, there's no snare. You don't get those like sharp snare sounds. It's all very like it stamps and claps and it's very bassy. And I think the drummer is using, from what I can hear, it's like kick drum and toms. So it's got that kind of feel, but it doesn't go into that like medieval pastiche thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So he's no, kind totally. of captured yeah. the sound, but done it in his own way. So, yeah, anyway, but I'd love to hear what everyone else. No, I, th- I, I think you, you, you said something uh, just now about how it, because it's all set um, in his part of the world. Hmm. And uh, I don't know a lot about the northeast of England. I, I, I mean, I'm from the middle of England. I know it enough. But there's a line, I think, in Soldier about uh, marching across the sea to the sunken monastery. Hmm. And my brain went, oh, yeah, sunken. Well, monastery is Northumberland. Yeah, that's the northeast. Because yeah. there's so much, uh, whether it's from tales of King Arthur or knowing about Northumberland or, or the northeast. It's either Cornwall or it's for the northeast. That's where you're going to get a monastery out on a bit, out on the peninsula which is obviously what he's walking across. Yeah. And it's a tale of him being scared, going to war. You hear war. Oh, my God, where's he going? Oh, he's probably going five miles down the road. There's probably 20 of them. We're going to fight another 20 people uh, out on the beach uh, in, a, in a battle that history has forgotten about. Yeah. He's having his fears. He's having his dinner. He's having his fears. He's thinking about tomorrow. And he's also thinking, shit, should we just fuck off and run off? Yeah, he's, he's young, so, so, he's young so, isn't yeah. he? He's incredibly young and in love. and it's beautiful what beautiful song i love that yeah it's amazing um it it's 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 <laughs> it wouldn't be an easy sell to people listen to this it's a song about peasants in the in the 600s um and their lives and, but, and the misery they went through um <laughs> or is it this is where i got or is it okay but we'll come back to that anyway i want to i want to hear more what everyone thinks of it before we go to the next um, point yeah or um, is i mean it? For, for me i picked the tone of it seemed I've watched a lot of Terry Gilliam movies when I was growing up and things like Jabberwocky would be how I pictured most of this or you know, scenes in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the peasant scenes, oh. the, the squalor, these bits are how I pick, how, how I envisaged a lot of, a lot of this, not the actual stories yeah. and the comedy aspect, but this is how I, the setting. Um, yeah. Now I yeah, want Terry yeah, yeah. Gilliam and Richard Dawson to make a movie together. Can't imagine. It would end. It would end up being animated. It'd be like Terry Gilliam go. Let's let's animate it, and then you'd be interviewed about something, and he'd go, uh, "All lives matter." And we we're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit yeah. all lives matter. That. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, shit. Yeah. We're taking no, about it, it, twenty-five it wasn't about years lives to make matter. the fucking thing. It was about. Anyway. It was about. Um, was it me too? Hashtag me too. It was yeah. about me too. Yeah. yeah, I think he's transphobic as well. So that yeah, he really weighed into help. that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. Don't wait. I've learned I'm over 40. Don't wade into things that you're really not sure about yet. There are things I'm not sure about, and I'm really trying to grasp yeah, the Yeah, we have to learn. Things here and there. Yeah, we've got to learn and, and change. Uh, I'm not going to have an opinion on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to 
bite my tongue and not have an opinion. Good idea. More people should um, do that. So, yeah, so let's not get Terry Gilliam involved. That's, no, let's yeah, not. Okay. That's where we're, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Terry, you're out. Damn. <laughs> um, Nick, Nick, apart from Terry Gilliam um, being not involved in this, uh, how did Peasant hit you when you first listened to it? Because, I mean, it is, it is, as Zoe says, it's a concept album, or is it? But it is. It, um, how did this hit you as a sort of picture of medieval life? Which is Nicky asking? The one who was talking about Terry Gilliam. Ah, you. Well, the thing, me. Okay, you want to know what I think? Well, I mean, on paper, it sounds so up its ass, doesn't it? And um, there's actually <laughs> there's actually some words that, that Zoe yeah, used fair. in the Facebook group, um, which I, I wrote down because I loved it. You described it as uh, well. You he, he was explicitly saying it's not this. You said it's medieval cosplay whimsy. <laughs> I just, but I love that. It's just it's just such a fine like little cluster of words there. But um, yeah, I, I feel like I want to spend a lot of time with this album because there's so much in it that I think I haven't found yet. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm, that sounds like, a, I, I mean, I, I love it, but the stories, I, I, I kind of, I haven't got there with the stories. I haven't found my way into it. I, I'm kind of hearing it more at the kind of, I guess, the not a lyrics guy level <laughs> where you're kind of just enjoying Which like, is the fine. soaring chorus of, uh, of, yeah. of, of course, it works at that level. Yeah. But, you know, you just feel like when you hear what's going on at a sort of deeper level you kind of want to get inside and explore those songs which is which is great you know it's an album that i feel like i'll you know i'll live with for a long time um but i guess looking at it in the sort of trajectory of the albums it's like something totally comes together on this album um even though it's it's still it's richard dawson so it's weird but it's also kind of six music friendly as well you know you can see these songs getting heavy airplay and um, i think they did i don't know i don't I don't actually listen to six music, but I've heard the rumors. <laughs> um, you know, there's something really joyous about a lot of these songs as well, which maybe hadn't come across to the same extent in earlier records. Like uh, I think it's Shapeshifter. He's doing the kind of guitar bashing thing that he does, but in a kind of really uplifting, happy way that is quite extraordinary, I think. So yeah, I yeah, like it, I, is what I was totally, trying to say. Um... <laughs> yeah, Shapeshifter was one. Um, also, I, I remember one. I listened to this a lot as I was walking to the shop, uh, shop and back. Um, and I think uh, was it Prostitute? Um, hang on, I just need to look. Yeah, uh, there has to be more than this. Is there no reason for me to exist? But as a plaything of miscreants, malingerers, dastards, and knaves, I remember listening to that line as I was walking through the town square. And I go, oh, that's good. Oh, I like. And, but yeah. also, not the fact that it was clever. But the fact that it totally took me into, into that, into that scene, into that, you know, uh, it it could have been a character talking in an episode of an early episode when it was good of Game of Thrones, uh, you know, it, you know it, it was it was written and not written as just a throwaway line in a song that rhymes. It was written as this mini. This you know what? I, I'm pretty sure we had a discussion during the fall where um, I mentioned a lyric that used the word knaves and confidently stated that no one else ever used the word knaves in a pop song. So, so corrected. So corrected, yeah. exactly. Thank you, Mr. Dawson. Mm. It would be um, him, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I also, I also think the Decemberists have as well. I, I do really? think that no, there's a long history of knaves in pop. Almost definitely. I think Hazard yeah. of Love definitely has definitely has mm. knave in. Let's do a special um, spin-off episode on the word knaves in pop. Yeah. That could be our bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, t- teenage Nick. Um, as, 
Oh, I wish. So, I mean, I, I think I'm the only one who came to all of this new and afresh. You knew Richard Dawson before uh, we started putting together this. Where did you come in? Was it around about the peasant time or did you go back to it? And how did you find peasant when you first heard it? Uh, yeah, no, I think it was around the, the peasant time um, that I became really sort of aware of aware and enamored with uh, uh, with Richard Dawson's music. I mean, this was a re- this was really kind of we, we, we talked in the last episode about how nothing important was the album where people uh, people started to pay attention. But this was the album that really kind of broke through. It was the it was the quietest album of the year. I'm pretty sure it was in the top 10 of the Guardian's album of the year that year. Um, so really mainstream press started to uh, started to really uh, sing his praises. Um, and and I think, yeah, like for me, like coming into it, um, it was obviously like very kind of off kilter and not what I was expecting um, when I when I read about a... a when you when you read about places like the guardian describing this this slightly avant-garde folk artist who's written a concept album about medieval times you don't expect it to be oh, it sounds awful. Quite as, yeah. yeah you expect it to be kind of a slightly insufferable but also like not anywhere near even musically not anywhere near as kind of strange as as it is but but obviously it's it's still like one of his most um accessible albums um and I, I'm I'm in exactly the same place with Nick, really. I think in terms of the lyrics, even though you know ahead of this recording, I, I did I, I did try really hard to kind of to really take in all the lyrics for all of these albums, and this was the one that I kept having to kind of go back and be like, wait, what's actually what's actually happening here, and like, what is this? What what is this person about? And and so there's so many levels to it. So uh, instinctively, what I enjoyed about it in the the the, the first. A few times that I heard it was just the uh, was the different musical touches the yeah the the use of the use of the violin that that gives it that sort of earthy uh, English folk um, stuff but also the yeah the thing like shapeshifter the guitars kind of reminded me of like Independence Day by Elliot Smith that's sort of like really kind of fast finger picky and like like very like a lot of kind of sliding along the fretboard kind of kind of thing um, and. Uh, uh, and for ogre, like the big sort of yeah. um, glorious yeah. co- chorus at the end, um, I kind of got, uh, I kind of got a, a sense of, and I, I promise, I mean this in the best possible way. Early polyphonic spree. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, people that, said that the in the group actually. Yeah, they did. First they polyphonic did, yeah. spree album. Yeah, I wrote down mm. Sophie and Stevens, but for the same, yeah, for the same, exactly. reason, that yeah. sort of the chorus of, but yeah, polyphonic yeah. spree. Yeah, and yeah. and. and I love polyphonic sprees. So please too. don't apologise for using yeah. it. I think they're amazing. I, I'd, I'd never know how much of a joke they're considered these days, but uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I was always a big fan. But I think it's a good thing because there's also in a weird concept of polyphonic spree, there are some amazing catchy tunes and catchy moments, mm. which is what we're getting from Richard at this point. And yeah. I think it's interesting that the two of you have talked about how lyrically it's hard to get into the story from first listen. But I think it's because because it's first person and he's talking first person and he, I think he improves on this storytelling in, in, a, in a later album but I think he's telling first person first but I don't say I'm you and I'm a teacher in of English I bet no, you do I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I might be thinking oh my god ah uh, Fabio's really struggling why is he struggling that those are the words that's going through my head not this class is a nightmare 
uh, I can't, I'm not expressing the full story. Um, the thoughts are coming out as a stream of consciousness as they're happening. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the little stories in these songs are coming out that way that you have to piece it together. Mm. And then you feel slightly, slightly proud of yourself because you've got your piece together. Zoe. So I, I, I also have to say that this, me getting into Richard Dawson is probably the result of this album. And I didn't get into this album the first time I heard it. So maybe mm. I'm thinking that I might be more similar to the Knicks than I might think. Because now, obviously, I'm fully on board. But I remember my husband playing it. I remember the first time I heard this because we don't really listen to a lot of music like this in our house. It's all very dance music based or electronic or we listen to what people call world music. So I'm listening to music from like India, Africa, whatever. So and very little guitar music or indie like ever. So I remember this really clearly and I didn't I was like quite proud. I didn't want to ask my husband what it was because, it's, you know, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of competition as to who's going to find the next most interesting bit of music and I remember hearing Ogre and I also remember thinking like I don't know if I love this or hate this do you know what I mean like I could sense I, I felt that I if, if I if I was being uncharitable I might go the side of like this is wanky this is just too much but it got me and so Six months later, when I'm still in my head going, when the sun is... I'm going, hang on, I've got, to, I've got to go and find this song. And I've got to go and like work out what this is about. And th at that point, that was when I went, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, of course, I had to go to my husband. Oh, yeah, you were right. Really, really good. <laughs> Sorry After about six that. months of... Yeah, after like six months of going, yeah, yeah, wh whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> well, well done for holding out for six months, though. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I swear to God, it, it would have been six months. <laughs> I have very close friends whom I who they'll try and recommend something like something classic, you know, like whatever, and I'll be very dismissive. And they know that maybe five years later I will send them a message going, "You're right, early Bob Dylan is good." Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, you're wrong, I, I, but yeah, I, I take years. I take years before I get. I'm still not sold. I'm, Craig, if you're listening, I'm still not sold on Neil Young. Mm -hmm. Oh, bless. But it's why I'm still holding out hope for Tiger okay. Mago. <laughs> That Tango might Mango. happen one day. Whatever. <laughs> so the other thing I want to come back to is what we were saying when, or is it? Okay, so yeah, it's a concept album. And it's supposedly about people's lives, you know, far removed from ours. And uh, we're, we're meant to sort of in, enter into their world and sort of understand what it was like for people, you know, unimaginable sort of time before us. But then once you start to listen to the stories and listen to the lyrics, you realise these people are just the same as us. And you could apply a lot of their situations to things that we experience. For example, I think it's in Prostitute when they talk about how can it be that a child can be sold, whatever. And we, you know, we're, we're so superior in our kind of, in our idea of our, the progress of our civilization and this shit's happening now. It, nothing has changed. And it's the same. And I think Ogre is very much written in the sense of something really bad is happening in that village and it's taking, you know, I mean, the story of, uh, if you actually read the lyrics, it's an incredible description of, you know, uh, something in the village taking the children and murdering them. It's so right. gruesome and brilliant and eerie and evocative. And obviously they're blaming something supernatural, something other. 
something other than them. It's got to be something else, somebody who doesn't belong. When actually the reality is, and we all know from our modern perspective, that it's probably someone in their community that is doing yeah. these evil, terrible things. And so once again, these are like parables. They're, they're, they're illustrations of how we always other people and make them the boogeyman or the bad guy when the reality is is that we're all capable of evil and murder and, and so on and so forth. And, yeah. and I so think I'm, there's another one. And soldier, you know, there are still soldier, people, yeah. young people who have to go out to war for like ridiculous reasons and lose their lives and... So on and so forth. So, yeah. Scientists as well that the uh, sort of the battle against kind of progress and yeah, sort of yeah, progress versus relate. faith and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can relate yeah, that yeah. back to anti-vax and all that sort of stuff. So each mm. each one, yeah, is, is quite, I, I think quite there's amazing. a lot of this album that mirrors stuff in his next solo album, which we'll be talking about talking about in a bit. Okay, so um, peasant is amazing. By the way, listen to peasant. Um, that's I'm talking to you at home, not the people here, because obviously we've all just said that. Anyway, we're going to move on and take a slight detour. Um, and we're going to move on to Hen Ogleth, um, who are a band which Richard is is part of. And um, this was, is this their first album or first proper release? Because there's a bunch of other uh, stuff, right? Technically, the, there's another Hen Ogleth album, but I don't think, um, Sally was part of it and I think it was far more experimental so this is like the first album as a sort of pop entity with Sally in it as well as Dawn I think that's right so there yeah. was one more release but it, it's I think it's much more experimental and it's not as like you know like a, a, a band is that right? Okay, and this is 2018's Mogic indeed yeah and, so good yeah, so, so good. So we're going from peasant to this to kind of show what I guess what Richard Dawson was also doing at the same time, like in between peasant and the next album, because it makes sense when you hear the next album, you're like, oh, okay, so he can do this as well. Yeah. When I listen to this album, and I do genuinely like this album, um, it remind it's it's a it's a cross between it's an exact cross between two other artists for me. And those artists are both very English in their way. And one is the band Tung, T-U-N-N-G. And one was the magical and no longer existing Bearsuit, who were an electro-pop band from Norwich, um, who did these sort of songs. Uh, I'm not even going to try and sing them, but they're basically a more of, an, more of an upbeat version of this. And I think where those two bands meet is this. And I really like it. I really, really like it. I don't think it's, it's it's even close to being as as groundbreaking as some of the solo stuff because I think that it is a a, a very English electro pop sound, um, and it's great and, and it's really good fun. Um, unfortunately, I just moved my phone away because I didn't want it to make a noise and interfere. But I, I literally had my notes on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will say, "Tiny Witch Hunter" is a great song. It's, it's a really, really, yeah. really good song. Um, I will say that I fucking hate saxophone sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, bless it, did, you. it did sort of jar a little bit for me. But if you like Tongue, if you loved Bear Suit, who I think now they split and one's called Lady Die and one of the bands is called Mega Emotion, um, Norwich's <laughs> finest, apart from Violet Violet, who have been on the show. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is there. It perfectly, it's a very English electro pop. Um, 
downbeat but upbeat, lovely little thing. I mean, I think it's lovely. I think it's nice. Um, because I like those two things. That's why I like this. It doesn't break any ground for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm being given looks from, from from Nick. Nick, our Nick. Okay. Well, no, no. I mean, you love this. I you think, do. I know yeah, you love I this. I really, really like this album. Um, I, I kind of this is the one album I knew before we did the original Richard Dawson immersion. So I'd kind of I'd spent time with this album without really. And I kind of had some sense that they were maybe like a super group of sorts. I think I'd read a little bit about them, but didn't really know anything about where the disparate parts had come from. Still don't really, apart from Richard Dawson, if I'm honest. But um, it's just, I think taken next to Richard Dawson, it's just such a, it's lovely to hear him do, it seems weird to describe it as pure pop, but it kind of is. It's, 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 it's got the weird shit going on. Like, you know, I mean, Tiny Witch Hunter is such a good song. Yeah. Um, yes. But, right. a, but then you've got tracks like Welcome to Hell, which is just, is insane. Almost like, um, I don't know, electro-pop thrash metal. <laughs> it's bizarre. But I love it. I, re- I like the whole, it's the vibe of the album as a whole. Something about it really speaks to me. Um, it's obviously in a way that's different to the Richard Dawson albums, but it feels like a companion piece. It works together with those for me. It's fun. Yeah. It's really, it yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. really fun. No, one hundred percent. Other Nick, I don't have a seamless segue between the two of you. So, other Nick. Yeah, uh, I um, yeah, I I agree. Um, I think um, I really I really enjoyed the moments that, as well as Tiny Witch Hunter, I enjoyed the moments that were proper kind of a bit more kind of post punk like uh, tracks like Problem Child, um, and then I mean. Uh, the gorgeous final track, um, Ethel Dreda, I think is the, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, just this, yeah, this really kind of ethereal, uh, really ethereal piece that just sort of, that has a really kind of, doesn't really resolve itself as well. And it's just written, and it really kind of like leaves you wanting more. Um, in a weird way, it kind of reminded me of the very first uh, Gorillaz album to talk about another like super group, like the more kind of, the the sort of dubby moments of that of of that album um and just and and a sense and a sense of an artist who's really well who's really well known for one thing kind of trying to kind of find like find his find his feet in in something that's a bit more that's a bit more freeing um but also allows you to that uh, that's allowing him to jump from genre to genre kind of seamlessly yeah. um and um yeah, I think it's really strong. I mean, we'll get onto it later. I preferred, I prefer the second Eoglet album. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. But I do. But I I really like Magic. I think it's great. Really great fun. Yeah, I think it is fun though. Um, uh, I don't. I, I think it's because there are. I think, like I said, it's a very there's a very English electro. Not even just electro pop. I think electro funk pop. No, folk folk pop. There's an electro folk pop sound. That I've heard in various different places. Um, this follows that tradition quite nicely, um, and it's it's a great album. It just doesn't it doesn't, like I say it doesn't break any any boundaries for me. But maybe maybe between Peasant and the next Richard Dawson album, we needed this palate hmm. cleanser sort of uh, thing as a break. Zoe, um, yeah, I also wanted to mention the use of well, not the use of, but the um, the regional accent that people are singing yes. in with, mm. with obviously with Richard himself he's always done that well he hasn't always done that not on the first nope. album but he's obviously found that that works better which it definitely does 
Um, I mean, why do people sing in an American accent? Like, you know, you hear people talk and then you hear them sing, you're like, what the hell? Why? I, I guess, I mean, I do understand why, where it comes from, but I feel like we're kind of past that now. We, you know, I, I want to hear people singing in their own accent. I mean, but do, do people all, do all people naturally, would, would all people naturally sing in their own accent? Um, I, or does it depend on the style of music? I mean, I'm from the West Midlands, and the bands I listened to when I was growing up would have been The Wonder Stuff, Pop Will Eat Itself, and Dead Atomic Dustbin. Pop Will Eat Itself, I could hear the West Midlands accent. The Wonder Stuff, which were more songy songs, it just sounded like a, a standard person singing. You know, like I think sometimes, like, is there much difference between some Scottish bands who don't particularly sound Scottish and the Proclaimers? Have one of them chosen to up Scottish up their, their sound or have one chosen to soften the sound? Or sometimes I think it is accidental, you know? Well, they're saying that Arctic Monkeys did sound a lot more Yorkshire before they moved to America. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any, anyway, sorry. No, on the accent, I, I, I was going to comment a lot on, on the next album, I think, because I kept find my, finding myself saying things, and it's a bit of a spoiler for after the break, they things like, be a blocker. <laughs> uh, I was going, oh brilliant that's lovely oh. uh, yeah. I'm really sorry for anybody from the northeast um, feel free I'm from Wolverhampton like, I mean come on my accent's usually terrible <laughs> so yeah there's quite as well as the regional accents on this there's quite a Welsh influence too because of Rodri um, and some of and that will come up again in Free Humans that some of the titles are actually Welsh words and of course Pernogleth means the old north and there is a connection between the people in the north and and people in Wales, um, and I think uh, Richard has talked about this, is that he feels that, you know, he's worked with Rodri and there's a kindred spirit. And I think even in Problem Child, it's like one of the lyrics is like, they're dry, I can't remember exactly what it says, but I can see Wales. So to me, like this, for me, it's very, it's kind of personal because I'm from Wales. I was born in Wales. My dad was Welsh. And, you know, I grew up with big burly men belting out songs. And I think there's something in, in Richard Dawson that makes me kind of, it's familiar. It's incredibly familiar. And I, I love those regional areas that I feel like, you know, sometimes the music scene is very London centric and it's very much kind of not looking down on people from, you know, I think Manchester is an exception. They've got their own scene. And of course, Liverpool with the Beatles, but these, these accents, hearing them, it just brings me joy. And I love that, Rodri, he sings a bit on this, and he says "earworm" instead of "earworm," which I just, yeah, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. love it. And it, it really, there's something really fun, really lovely, but kind of like they're they're doing something different there, you know. And we've got, of course, we've got electric harp. I mean, how many pop records have got electric harp in them? Not many, I'd say. So they're really, you know, even though it's light and fun, they're doing other things. And you, of course, you can hear the Richard Dawson influence because he's playing the bass, and you can hear his guitar inflections or whatever you call them. I don't know yeah, the technical totally. term. So I don't know. Can he play guitar? I think, I think he's proved totally that he can. probably <laughs> yeah. really quite can by now. What do you reckon? Can uh, he play? Can he play guitar? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, my, my, my question before was, that was my initial thought when I was first hearing it is, oh, like, you know, like I, I made a reference previously to Daniel Johnston. There's moments in the early stuff. I'm like, is he, has he got some great songs in him this Bite himself, and it can take a while to understand what yeah. what, what's going on. Absolutely, in um, yeah. 
Before we move on to the next album, I just want to just go back to the whole point about the non-London-centric thing. And also because I've decided this might be a running motif of things I try, as much as Nick tries to shoehorn Tago Mago into every episode. Um, <laughs> Slade, the band Slade, who, by the way, had the most number one uh, top 10 singles in the UK in the 1970s for a British band. So, you know, they weren't that. They weren't all one song. The one thing I love about them is their song titles are written in phonetic black country Wolverhampton accent. Mm -hmm. So whether it's not just Mama, we're all crazy now, but if you look at all, you know, Cause I Love You is spelled as it would be pronounced. So, well, I'd buy Cause I Love You. And it's written as that. And they became incredibly successful despite doing this or because they did this. I don't know. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think they, they having this sort of, I mean, I might not like music from a certain area or I might find certain accents great on me, but I'd rather they were in that accent and in that area. Uh, and, and sound but bands from Manchester sound like they're bands from Manchester. And I'm not just talking about early 1990s. Yeah, there is a, there is a, a music tradition there. Um, Bands from Liverpool often, because of the shadow of the Beatles, sounded a bit Beatlesy, because they're they're their local local bands. But yeah, I I I do think there's definitely something to be said about um, regionalism coming 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 to the forefront. Um, we're gonna we're gonna jump over to uh, the final two albums, and I'm gonna hand you back over to Zoe. Um, well, right now. Album 7, 2020, released in 2019 on Domino. Richard says, 2020 isn't political, it's personal, it's linked to peasant, maybe it's the same record and maybe the next one will be the same again. This record, the follow-up to peasant, might not be what you expect. 2020 was released in 2019 and presumably was written before that, Although there's nothing on this record that predicted how the year 2020 would actually go down, it certainly captured the mood, neuroses, natural disasters and personal failure all feature. I'm reliably told that this album was played a lot on BBC Six, so if you're based in the UK you may well have heard tracks from this. Trust me when I say that it works best as a complete listen, it's a proper album. An album with a great song about football. No really, I mean it. A song about a pub flooding, again. With heart emoji, we get the world's best song about stepping on a slug in the kitchen in the middle of the night, possibly the most British thing ever committed to record. Aside from that, there are riffs and hooks and sing-along choruses, but as with everything that Richard does, it's a bit askew, which is just the way I like it. The writing on this, like Peasant, is literary, in the sense that I feel I'm hearing a short story in song form, often leaving me wanting to know what happened next. How does he do that in the form of a song? Like a great film that leaves you thinking about it for the next week, or a book that you don't want to end, some of these songs show real mastery of songwriting. It's precise, evocative, and not a word is wasted. It's not just the quality of the writing. When delivered with such conviction, it's easy to forget that the material isn't autobiographical. Many listeners have been fooled by this. Case in point, Richard Dawson says, I was quite startled as after jogging was released, people were trying to find out where to send me sponsorship money for the London Marathon. I don't jog. 
So these tunes aren't necessarily drawn from deeply personal experiences, they're just stories told through song. And interestingly, Richard has also said that a lot of assumptions are made about the gender of the characters featured in the narratives. Listen for yourself and see how you interpret them. The songs are full of contemporary UK references, which is quite brave. This sort of thing can date a record even before it's been released. On the other hand, it can provide an accurate and realistic document of our times. I've been out of the UK over 10 years now, but it sounds about right. If you're a too long didn't read type person and only want to dip into this one, I wouldn't direct you to the hit jogging, although it is great. I would tell you to check out The Queen's Head and Black Triangle instead, but you're going to listen to the whole thing, aren't you? In all its modern proggy glory. Oh, didn't I mention that this one isn't very folky? Sometimes I do feel attacked by the relatable content on this album, but then it's done in such a loving way that I don't find it sneering. It's not punching down. There's a sense that he's speaking for people, people like you and me, vocalising the joy and the dread in the minutiae of everyday life and with humour throughout. I'm sure we'll get into some of the lyrics from this album in the group chat, so do stick around for that. Album 8, Free Humans by Hen Ogleth, released in 2020 on Weird World. Our final album is Free Humans. It's by Hen Ogleth. Dominic Cayley from Loud and Quiet had this to say about it. Simply put, if Free Humans was a film, then it'd be The Goonies, directed by Werner Herzog. It's a surreal, heartwarming adventure through the hedges and hedgerows of Britain's musical fringes, an absolute masterpiece. You've had a taste of Henogleth with Modjik, so you know what to expect. I'd say that this is a more cohesive album as a whole. There's no Tiny Witch Hunter, but there is Trouble, Earworm, Kibran Gospel Gossip, Time Party and Space Golf, delivering solid pop quirk. This is a party I'd like to go to. Remember parties? I love Mogic and Free Humans, but while Mogic is wistful and amorphous, almost, Free Humans is concentrated and solid. Both are excellent. Always conscious, self-aware and devoted to the song, woven through all of the albums we've covered is a sense of giving, a creative generosity if you like. Richard Dawson doesn't seem content with being adequate, but doesn't reject the power of good pop music either. I trust you have opened yourself up to receiving the gifts on offer. He's quite the artist and time will tell if he's recognised as such, outside of the fringes where he attracts people like me, and hopefully you.